Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, it's uh, okay. It's a Monday at five. No, it's six, isn't it? Is it six? I think it's six. Six ten. Six eleven. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, six ten is a good enough time. As are any. we are we recording now? Is yeah, I think working? so. The time is six eleven. Yeah. The- <laughs> It is 6-11. Hi, welcome back. We're back. (laughs) Welcome back to the Deus Vault Podcast. This is the Deus Vault Podcast. Yes. Strap in. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, was that really how we started? That's cool. Yeah, just a little bit of you laughing and then uh, me adjusting my mic and smashing my head into it as I lean down to adjust something. Yeah, that's good. It's like a rock concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's right. It's a wonderful cut or whatever you say when you're recording music. Oh, yeah. What do they call those? Tracks? Tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. It's a cut. Make a cut at the end of it. Well, because it was it used to be that you would like literally make cuts in it, the in like the tape. Oh, to like I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's literally a cut, and it needs more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> that was another great. Cut. I got a fever. The only prescription. More... Come on, guys. We have so few songs that use the cowbell. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Why is that funny? <laughs> I don't know. Because it Will Ferrell sells it. But like he's really into it, I guess. Well, like, you have him, and then you have. Uh, Christopher Watkins. Yeah, which is, he's an amazing he's, actor, by the way. Although he basically just plays himself in all the movies. Well, and get him. I, you know. I'm talking to my guy all wrong. But the, uh, <laughs> oh and then there's, oh gosh. And then there's that guy who will not stop, stop laughing. He's got a, he's like one of the late night hosts now. Not that anybody watches anymore. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon is I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy Fallon. Is you cannot stop laughing as Farrell is playing that cowbell. Like he can't. <laughs> oh, is he in this? Is he in he that can bit too? Barely get the oh, lines I didn't out even of his know. mouth. I didn't even know he was in that bit. Yeah, no, it was that was his early career. He was a young kid back in the day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Fallon. Mm. Anywho, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to have you back it's good here to have you in back. in the old study. Uh, Here at uh, Santo Carlo Rotondo, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh, yes. thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, these are exciting times, though. I heard you guys are doing new architecture and stuff. Yeah, I have as yet to see fact, the pictures. Go ahead. I wonder if we could get um, Doctor Doctor Bill Hire is the guy who's doing the renovations. Oh, he's for, good at everything he, he does. He's doing pretty good. the 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 pictures, the um, the sketchups for the. Um, for the new renovations, it's probably not the right term for it, but um, are beautiful, are beautiful. Uh, I mean, terrazzo floors, marble altar, oof. all this. You were kind gonna of have stuff. to show me these. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Shoemaker has such cool. great taste. Hey, I mean, and he talked to the right guy too. He knows how to oh. get people involved. You know. Okay. So I mean, Doctor Bill Hire, great. Thanks I mean, for your work. Is he looking forward to it? Is he like well known outside of like our locality? I presume he is. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I figured as much. Well, actually, I the, I've had first heard of him. Um, he was the sacred architecture professor at the Josephinum when I was there. Oh. I didn't get to take the class. Uh, I was I just didn't work out with my schedule, so I had to take the I took the sacred music class for my art class. But um, but anyway, he also helped them to work on the renovation of Saint Terribius Chapel. I'm pretty sure. The, the at main, Josephinum. The main chapel at, yeah. at the Josephinum, which it, it needed help. It needed help. But yeah. now it's gorgeous. Oh, but it's I great. Understand. It's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. One of my favorite parts of that chapel. Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, on the order of sacred art. Um, so behind the altar, in the apse of our, of the chapel at the Josephinum, mm-hmm. um, they had a couple different, like, you could see, like, the hierarchy. You have, like, angels in one part, and you had different saints in, in another part. And... You know, they're they're basically reconstructing something that had already been in that apse. Yeah. But in the part that had all the saints going across it, they decided this would be an ideal time to sort of insert new saints into that part. Oh, that yeah. are sort of more um, prevalent to to our times, like th- people who who like the the seminarians actually had devotion to. Um, but of course, among them was yeah. Saint Terribius himself, right? So they depicted Saint Terribius there. Who is Saint Terribius? Oh well, Saint Terribius is, is I think. Or do you I'm, say Tiberius? No, it's Terribius. Oh, okay. My it bad. is Terribius, and the reason I'm so adamant on that is because his feast day is March 23rd, which is my birthday. Oh, <laughs> so it was a huge. I was like, wow, they're all celebrating my birthday with beautiful music and a great mass. No, it's Saint Terribius's day, and it's just our chapel. It's it's our feast day. Anyway, which doesn't matter. I'm but anyway, oftentimes so, delusional myself, my friend. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's something I learned from you. Right, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm Saint Tiberius. Tiberius. <laughs> You're not. You're not Tiberius. This, not even I'm close. Say Tiberius. Nope. It's Terribius, dude. T- you're killing me, Smalls. James Tiberius. Eat this more. Kirk. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Dang. 
That's, why are, why are we friends? Is I learned uh, watching Star Trek. Oh my gosh. Oh, we get along. James Terribius Kirk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the saint? He was, well, you won't let me say it. Go ahead. Saint Terribius was, I th- I'm pretty sure, the first prelate in the Americas. I'm pretty sure he was, um, which I believe that that was first in, in like, Florida? Peru. It was in Peru. Oh, oh, you mean the, like, the, like the entire, all of the Americas. Both continents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So anyway. Um, he was, and he was a mentor of Saint Rose of Lima. So actually, oh. it's interesting. Um, uh, on the same like floor as Saint Terribius, yeah. there is another smaller chapel, which we've, which is under the patronage of Saint Rose of Lima, which is very appropriate. That's so a really, beautiful little that's chapel. That's clever if that was done mm-hmm. intentionally. Oh, I'm sure. It almost was. certainly was. <laughs> I'm sure it was. So anyway, so that was great. But anyway, so Saint Terribius is depicted in the apse um, as uh, among many other saints, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> At the time, at the time, uh, the bishop in Columbus, whose whose name escapes me at the moment, he had this like iconic mustache. Okay, <laughs> so sure enough, sure enough, the face of Saint Terribius has this very notable mustache, oh. like not beard but a mustache, and it looks very much like the bishop of Columbus. <laughs> kind of well, like I mean. It- Michelangelo would paint cardinals and stuff into his art. Yep, particular people, even himself, right? So and the anyway. ones he liked and the ones he didn't like. Yeah, different <laughs> positions in the hierarchy. And where where are you? Oh, you're in purgatory forever. Okay. Oh. Hmm. Well, speaking hmm. of the lowerarchy, there's a nice segue. Oh, in. the lowerarchy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm good. Oh, he's gonna take a little drink of coffee for his throat. Yeah, yeah I need to. Uh, <clears throat> I need to get myself some caffeine for this. This Wake here thing. This is gonna require some some energy. Hooah. Sports, energy, sports, energy. What <laughs> yeah, you got? Exactly. My dear Wormwood. Ah, yes. Welcome oh, my back. friends, you who have been waiting for another installment of the Screwtape series, we are, we are returning again to the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, entering into Chapter 5. Now, we have to remember, let me see what, what the copyright, da- copyright date of this is. The original copyright... 1946. Mm. Just a guess. What is it? I think it's actually later than that, <laughs> but but he's obviously thinking about um, World War Two. Okay, yeah, just when, happened this, recently. This thing, sixty-two. Oh, sixty-two, way off. Fifty. Well, no, it had to be soon. It had to be closer. Like that's got to be like the second. That copyright. must be. That must be the later copyright. Right. I must be. Well, anyway, I'm sure I'll get corrected by it's somebody. It's super. Like he was dead in sixty-three. Yes, but I mean, sixty. I mean, that, that doesn't that doesn't mean he couldn't have published it right before that. I suppose, hmm. but I don't think he did. I'm pretty oh, sure this was I'm sorry. In the newspaper. This is right. Okay, that's right. So it, it appeared as a book mm-hmm. as late as that, but it in, came as individual pieces. Right. Uh, published in 1943. Right. Oh, see, 40, I was... 43. Yeah. Okay, it's in the Ooh. back. Sorry, I was looking at the inside front cover. You're being misled by all that proper information at the yeah. front. <laughs> oh, curse what, you! This is what I get for citing my resources. MLA, <laughs> Chicago, what do you want me to do? Gonna get okay. you in trouble. Anyway, so 1943, right? Um, obviously right in the midst of, of the Second World War. Okay. So he begins this this um, the fifth chapter, the fifth installment of the Screwtape Letters as, my dear Wormwood, it is a little bit disappointing to expect a detailed report on your work, and to receive instead such a vague rhapsody as your last letter. You say you are delirious with joy because the European humans have started another of their wars. Ah, yes. I see very well what has happened to you. You are not delirious. You are only drunk, reading between the lines in your very unbalanced account of the patient's sleepless night. I can reconstruct your state of mind fairly accurately. For the first time in your career, you have tasted that wine, which is the reward of all your labors. The anguish and bewilderment of a human soul, and it has gone to your head. I can hardly blame you. I do not expect old heads on young shoulders. Did the patient respond to some of your t- terror pictures in th- of the future? Did you work in some of some good self-pitying glances at the happy past? Some fine thrills in the pit of, the, of his stomach were there. You played your violin prettily, didn't you? Well, well, it's all very natural, but do remember, Wormwood, that duty comes before pleasure. If any present self-indulgence on your part leads to the ultimate loss of the prey, you will be left eternally thirsting for that draft of which you are now so much enjoying your first sip. If, on the other hand, by steady and cool-headed application here and now, you can finally secure this soul, he will then be yours forever, a brimful living chalice of despair and horror and astonishment, which you can raise to your lips as often as you please. 
So do not allow any temporary excitement to distract you from the real business of under- undermining the faith and preventing the formation of virtues. Give me without fail in your next letter a full account of the patient's reactions to the war, so that we can consider whether you are likely to do more good by making him an extreme patriot or an ardent pacifist. There are all sorts of possibilities. In the meantime, I must warn you not to hope too much from a war. So that's the opening. Well, it's really like half the first half that letter. Yeah. But of course, he's getting at this very the very real problem of pain. Here, here it is again, right? C.S. Lewis is sort of one of the things he's known for. He actually writes a an entire book um, based off of lectures that he gave on the problem of pain. You know, what's how does how does pain exist in the world if there's a good God? And you know, there is um, a very, very clear and and distinct moment in the history of the Western world when you know when all of a sudden World War II sort of begins and England enters into that war as uh, out of necessity, right? And so it provides a very, very um, potent moment of pain for lots and lots of people, but of course. Uncle Screwtape is is warning his nephew Wormwood um, because while this moment, you know, of course, there's lots of terror in war. There's lots of destruction. There's lots of pain. There's lots of sorrow. There's lots of other sin going on. And of course, there's sin going on. It's a war. There's uh, yeah, there's I mean, sin going on all the time. Well, but, right, right. But, but wars it's, it's, can be particularly atrocious because you tend to lose your head and uh, figuratively and little, literally. Well, there's that. But the uh, but no, like. Wars are, I think I said this in yesterday's homily, wars are not good for man or children or small little creatures. Um, It's just not a good thing. Mm -mm. And it's not saying that there isn't the possibility of a just war, but like when you've got like two tribes of humanity trying to like take something from the other to the point where you're willing to take somebody else's life. Right. Like, holy smokes, guy, do you have any idea how quickly that can get out of hand? And, and it can. That's okay, that's the totally thing. Can. So I mean, you know, Wormwood, the the nephew tempter, is is like all kinds of happy about the situation. But Screwtape says, "Don't be so fast. Don't be so fast, because there are there are things that can happen within war that that might be problematic for us." Oh, and yes. so what he says, it's funny though, because at the very end of that paragraph, he says there are all sorts of possibilities. Right? Should we make him an extreme pacifist, or should we make him an extreme patriot? And and I think that kind of speaks to um, one of the normal sort of problems in moral theology, right, of, of living in the extremes, mm-hmm. right? Not really recognizing that there are more options than what you first, you know, uh, set your mind to. Um, or what, how else could we say that? What's another way to say that? What do you mean? I mean, virtue's in the mean. Right? Well, yeah. No, I mean, like... Well, every every crisis is opportunity. As much as I don't like quoting Saul Alinsky, the uh, there's some truth in that statement. The for good or for ill, every time you encounter a, an extreme, you have an opportunity for something great because you're going to have to compensate for it. Generally, and with a, a relatively extreme way. Again, think of think of crises. Think of like a hurricane. I'm talking about like natural extremes, hmm. hurricanes or explosions or fires. You are not allowed to just be like, well, you know, I've, I've got to just remain calm and just go at the average pace here. No, no, no. Like, let's say your house is on fire. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of that? Uh, you got to be moving. And what's even more, like, what if your kids are in the house? What are you going to do? Right. Well, I've got to go get them or something like that. I have to make sure they're safe. Okay. And you're not going to be slow about it. And you're going to take the however much time you possibly can to come up with a reasonable plan. But then you're going to execute it. But you, well, the one thing you're not going to do is, in that case, the mean uh, that is required there w- is extreme by ordinary circumstances. And war is like living in a house that's on fire. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at here, though, is because – so. So Screwtape puts to Wormwood this this reality. He says, "In this, the, okay, your your patient is facing war. Yeah, right. He's facing the, all the possibilities of things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's looking into his future, wondering where he's going to land. And so Screwtape wants an account from Wormwood 
about the actual inner machinations of the mind of, of his patient right. because he wants to see if he should make him an extreme patriot or an extreme pacifist. Oh, I see what for you're the sake that. For the sake of pulling him into, into vice. Yeah, right. For the sake of vice. Right, for the sake of vice. So any, anyone who is fight, who finds himself in the mean between those two extremes realizes it's important to fight for one's own country and, and um, you know, uh, to be a patriot for, for that, mm-hmm. but also to recognize it's for the sake of peace. Right? Well, right. No, it's right. not war for war's sake, or God forbid, wars for, for vengeance sake. Very few people think in terms of war for war's sake. Um, but yeah. Unless you live in the 40K of, universe. Meh. <laughs> uh, it's true, isn't it? I believe that my, <laughs> my means justify... No, how does that phrase go? I believe that my... My means justify my ends. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's like super dark. That's like straight demonic, that sort of mentality. Yeah, that's, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. War, that's, that's called sin. The fact that I'm committing war means that the sake of war is justified. Like, wow, that's like ludicrously crazy. Yep. Anywho. There are people but, who think that. There are people in history history who've thought that. Mm-hmm. But no, like I, I, the demon is is looking at every crisis as opportunity. Yeah. So how do I, how do I take this extreme event and, and work it... And play the patient, so to speak, like a fiddle. Now, this is an interesting thing to me too, Dan. Like, I'm not sure I agree with Lewis's take on this entirely. Well, I mean, the, this is not the only part of this particular letter. Obviously, there's more that goes on with this. But what yeah. in particular aren't you agreeing with? Well, like, I've always, not always, but I've come more and more to the conclusion that if the devil could, he'd just kill us all. Like, he, whether you go up or down, he wouldn't waste his time with machinations. Like, he's literally so angry about, like, us existing that he'd stomp us flat if he could. Um, okay, but that's not what—that's obviously not what he's able to do. Exactly. So. No, he's just a dog on a leash. So like, he has that's to, the other thing. He has to do these— Right, these, right. So his options are limited yeah. because God covert, is— Covert one. ops. Right. Well, he's the insurgent. The, well, uh, okay, fine. Well, he's the weaker power. So he has to do all his dirty work in the darkness, because if he's out in the open, he's easy to shoot. Right. The, um, again, we have sacraments, and that's like the power of God, like just which, overrunning. Which Lewis gets to, Ooh, by the way. But like, like, there it is, is like, he's warning the tempter demon, uh, he's warning Wormwood uh, that, you know, oh, there you are sort of like rejoicing in like his sickness and his melancholy. And there I do agree with him, because like I, like, I think, well, that's interesting. No, I might be more on page with Lewis than than I thought I was just a second ago. Yeah, but like his his focus on where you're landing with this <laughs> on his tempting again. Like if he could, he he'd just kill us all. Right. And well, so that's the thing is hmm. in this, if there's war or not war, the situation is the same for the Christian man, right? right. For the Christian person, um, like if there's war or no war, you're still called to virtue. Fact. Right. And. And there's always going to be some sort of pain or suffering in in life. Ah, so it's it's a cross. matter, yeah, exactly. It's it's a matter of how how are you going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. Like how are how are you going to stand in the face of this? And you know, are you going to sink or swim? As far as vice or virtue, right. sink or swim. So war is is just is just a very very in your face explosive <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of version of all this, right? And so in in this situation. Screwtape very astutely says, listen, like, he's just as capable of virtue in this moment, and, I mean, you, tempter demon, nephew Wormwood, have, still have work to do, right? Right. So, pulling it out of sort of the demonic language for a minute here, like, um, reminding, reminding ourselves that in every sort of situation, like, pain is going to be there, and... We still, we still can choose the virtuous way. We don't have to give in to, you know, vices, even though they seem more attractive in the in the moment. Perhaps, perhaps. Oh yeah, perhaps. No. So, what else does he say? Okay, he says, of course, a war is entertaining. Hmm. The immediate fear and suffering of the humans is a legitimate and pleasing refreshment to our myriads of toiling workers. But what permanent good does it do us, unless? We make use of it for bringing souls to, as he says, our father below. I don't like these. I don't like reading those words. When I see the temporal suffering, suffering of humans who finally escape us, I feel as if I had been allowed to taste the first course of a rich banquet and then denied the rest. 
It is worse than not having tasted it at all. <laughs> the enemy, true to his barbarous methods of warfare, allows us to see the short misery of his favorites, only to tantalize and torment us, to mock the incessant hunger, which, during this present phase of the great conflict, his blockade is admittedly imposing. Let us therefore think rather how to use than how to enjoy this European war. For it has certain tendencies inherent in it, which are in themselves by no means in our favor. We may hope for a good deal of cruelty and unchastity, but if we are not careful, we shall see thousands turning in, in this tribulation to the enemy, while tens of thousands who do not go so far as that who do not go so far as that will nevertheless have their attention diverted from themselves to values and causes which they believe to be higher than the self. And he'll continue from there in a moment. Yeah. But basically, like, watch out, because because this is such a prevalent thing before the eyes of, of men, like, they will necessarily, out of the intensity of the moment, be more prepared oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. Right. Potentially. I mean, I mean they, they, they can be. They can <laughs> so, be. So you might, the person, so as far as the tempters are concerned, like the person, they might decide to go and tempt on a normal day when war isn't happening in the midst of war might be one of the most virtuous men around because of the challenge that's it's, sitting in front of him. It's you know? incredibly, you want to hear a story? Yeah, please. Tell so, me a story. Anyways, as tell someone story. who might have uh, had more experience anyways, than me in this. It's 100% accurate. Like, you got guys who under pressure, in the thick of things, are like almost, again, like I hesitate to call it saint-like, but like they love their brothers and they are focused on their task. And they will, we, we, there was an IED hit and one of the trucks was hit and I had to scream at the men to stay right where they were because everyone was ready to get outside of the truck and go get everybody else. And you could not do that because we didn't know what else was around. Everyone in the truck was fine, praise God. Um, and then we got the truck pulled over and we, we, you know, made sure everything was clear and the enemy didn't stick around. And so it was a, lack of a better term, it was a good day by the end because um, everybody went home. But the, uh, but like in that moment, like these guys, these trigger pullers, these, these guys you've sort of like sharpened to, to let loose on the enemy, um, are just, are saint-like and we're willing to risk life and limb to go get their brothers. Okay. You bring them back home and, mm. and things just fall apart. They will go AWOL. They will, they will drink and they will do drugs. And again, like I'm speaking in generalities here. It wasn't like, and then I lost 80% of my unit to drug use and things like that. <laughs> right. But but you will but i have cases in particular in mind of soldiers who 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 le who literally abandoned their duty now that they were out of the combat zone now that the pressure was off these men who would have given their lives mm -hmm. uh you know lost a sense of duty mm -hmm. and again and you can get into all kinds of things on that perspective too brother on like <laughs> Americans' concept of war and what's worth fighting for, and as far as like Western civilization goes, how sick we are mm -hmm. in like concepts of, of virtue and and principle and duty, right? But without going any further than that, no. Have you ever read uh, "Good Man Is Hard to Find" by mm -hmm. Flannery O'Connor? No, I haven't. Oh well. Anyways, <laughs> the uh, the punchline uh, the. Any short, any story is written for this, the last line of the book. Sure. And the last line of that is after the uh, the misfit has. Oh gosh, should I tell the story? I'm going to ruin uh, on the air. If you want to read the book and be surprised, skip like <laughs> spoilers, 10, spoilers, spoilers. Skip ten minutes ahead. I'm not joking because I'm going to tell you it real quick. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a family goes on vacation. The grandmother is just a miserable human being. Okay. And she tells a lie, and. Because of that lie, the family goes off-road and has a car crash. And then the people who stop to rescue them are a bunch of people who have escaped from prison. And they murder the family. And the guy, the, the leader of this gang is called the Misfit. And he pulls a gun on, on the grandmother. And in that moment, the grandmother tries to convert him to Christianity in all honesty. And she begins to see him as, as like just a lost soul. And he kills her. And... When he kills her, he loses all thrill of the joy that he was experiencing. Talk about demons mm. of like killing this family. 
And and he says, the last line is this, as he walks off, and he's, he, everyone else is like startled by like how rattled this, this sociopathic killer is. And he says, man, she would have been a good woman if someone had been threatening to kill her every moment of her life. Anyways, wow. The uh, and there it is, and the like. He even like sort. Of, he she triumphs. There's a moment of grace in that tragic, you know, moment where the metal is meeting the meat, so to speak, and like, and she like in a certain sense, like all her sins and stuff like that. She might have very well escaped in that one moment, found salvation, mm. because suddenly she was able to see in this bad man like the potential to be a good person, which she had been lacking her whole life. And he, in his cruelty, like snuffs her out, as well as the whole family. And then he himself uh, realizes... Makes a statement on virtue. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so it's, it's just really, it's probably Connor's uh, most famous short story. I don't know. Okay. Uh, the, uh, but, but for that sake... It's the same thing of what we're talking about here in screw tape and war and everything I've just described mm. as far as like the war goes and and the reality of it. Like, mm. like you are willing to do like really stupid, crazy things for the sake of protecting other people. Mm. And then you will come home and, you know, you'll tell lies to make yourself look better. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, all you need is, is, again, someone to throw grenades at you all the time. <laughs> And you'll be you'll be a saint. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting, and that's again. I return to it. Every crisis is opportunity. It's yeah. Maybe, I mean, he's going to make the point here. I think, and the devil's taken a tremendous risk when when wars begin, because again, God uses everything. Hmm. And I think of final point, and I swear we'll move on. But the uh, uh, Maximilian Colby, hmm. like yeah. It gets so pitch black, dark in Auschwitz. You still have people to this day saying, "How can you believe in God when that was a thing that happened?" Mm. And and it's so pitch black that this single spark like blinds like the sun when this man who isn't just like a good man under pressure. He's always been trying to be a good man, and to be fair, everybody's always under pressure. Um, but his whole life has been dedicated to sanctity since he was a small boy. Mm-hmm. And now he just like burns like a torch. Yeah. And and it blinds the enemy uh, when he gives his life, truly, for the sake of, of his fellow man. And that's like a moment of incredible grace in that mm-hmm. darkness. And it changes people. It, it, you might not know this story, but the work that went into keeping that man alive whom he's who he's traded places with is incredible. It's recorded. So there was, all right, story time. The, uh, <laughs> there was a, that's okay. There was a man who infiltrated the Auschwitz camp. Uh-huh. Like he was Polish resistance, and he trained physically. They had no idea what Auschwitz was. You have to remember, it right. was an old Polish barracks that the Nazis incorporated. Right, and and all they know is people are going in and disappearing. And the Polish resistance found a guy who was very capable commando. And they said, you go in and you figure out what's going on and then you get out and tell us what's going on. So he infiltrated Auschwitz, like literally went into it himself, got himself caught so he could go in there. Okay. And obviously it's beyond the worst of what they could possibly have imagined. Sure. And, And he managed... He set up something like four resistance cells, and just by happenstance, they kept getting exterminated. The Nazis weren't even looking for them. Mm. But again, it was just such a cruel place that, like, the teams he builds are just destroyed um, by happenstance. Oh, and yeah. That guy ended up dying, even though they, right, they, right. Didn't, just, they, didn't, they didn't suspect, they didn't him, of suspect him of doing anything, uh, of trying to, like, infiltrate the camp or gather information. They just killed people. Wow. And he... he Makes good on his escape, though. He figures things out, and, and he gets out, and he writes this giant paper. I, again, I wish I, I had the name. Uh, you can find it online. Um, the, the the Norwegian metal band uh, Sabaton actually wrote a song about him. Of course. Um, yeah. They like weird, like random, crazy, heroic stories. Oh, they like stories. heroic stories. Yeah. Anyways, and but he writes about, he didn't know, speak. I don't know this guy's name. He didn't know Colby's name. Huh. He just refers to him as the hero priest. Oh, wow. And and he s- tells how they would do everything to to take care of that guy who was alive. They would hide him in the medical bay and 
one point he got so sick, they were scared he was going to die or the Nazis would just round up the sick and kill him. Right. And they hid him under a pile of corpses to keep him alive. And then they, they dug him out. And, you know, the camp, the prisoners moved heaven and earth to keep the man Colby spared alive. That's amazing. And like that, I mean, food snuck to him and stuff. Suddenly, so what's the point of what I'm saying here? Heroism, <laughs> like yeah, like right. sanctity, like the the glory of like living the Christian mission truly. Mm-hmm. Like this man isn't worth theoretically no more than than I'm worth, and you know, and I'm me, so I should be interested in keeping my body and soul together, kind of thing. Except this is the man the saint saved, yeah. And now it's like my <laughs> opportunity for sanctity. Wow. And and that's what happened. That's amazing. Um. So like you see like how. Yeah, Auschwitz is just like a black hole of of, of hell on earth. Mm. But into that, like the the daring do of like being a Christian, of of becoming a saint, is played out through that one spark, through that one torch, mm-hmm. and like the yeah, salvation is at hand in that moment. Anyways, and you know what's amazing though about all this? Like we're we're gonna we're getting through, and we're talking about you know things that are sort of again in your face, sort of the explosive nature of war. Oh yeah, this is a very extreme episode of Deus Fault, <laughs> right? And and not necessarily expected to go particularly that deep, but but the reality is when it comes to you know the 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 line from this the psychopathic you know killer from. Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. The good man's hard to find, yeah. Right. So when it comes to that line, you know, oh, she would have been a, a good person if she was always Someone was threatening to kill her every second of her life. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's the thing is, brothers and sisters who are listening to this, like, the devil is trying to kill you every second of your life. Right. So, like, start acting like you're under the threat of death all the time. <laughs> you are actually in a war, brothers and sisters. Right. Like, this is, this is real. This is real. Right. I mean, if we could, again, if we had, like, grace goggles, we could see into the life of, of grace or, like, spiritual mm-hmm. warfare goggles, mm-hmm. like, we would be sitting in, in like, <laughs> there'd be flames all around us, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, like, bombs, you know, the holy, hand, uh, holy hand grenades of Antioch would be flying everywhere. And you'd be witnessing miracles of grace at the same time very, very, as, very slight. as the guardian angels pull you out and through flames that you didn't even know were there. And yep. Saints intercede for you, and your prayers are being heard, and impacting on the other side of the planet in, yeah. in a secondary barrage you don't even fully understand. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> everything is thanks, 40K, which thanks, is Catholicism. Thanks for filling that out anyways. there, Captain Stephen Felicia. You're welcome. So, but, but anyway, so like that's... that's Right. Like there is... That's our current situation. That is our current situation. <laughs> don't and, forget that. Like, and it's it, desperate. Like, yeah. And see, like to return to it, Wormwood and Screwtape don't know the time limit. And that's why Screwtape is, you know, again... Demons are, are are what they are, but that's why he's saying like we don't know what how this is going to play out, and we have to figure out how to turn this to our advantage because we can't turn him off anytime we want. We can't say, oh, he's in a state of mortal sin. That's it. Cut his line, mm-hmm. and now now he's ours. They can't play like that. Right. They don't know the time limit, mm-hmm. and so that's why they're constantly at work. Right. Because if they get you in a state of mortal sin, they want to keep you there. Right. And because who knows when you'll die? Mm-hmm. God does. Speaking of death, yeah. we, we, I want to get into the end of this. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Because there are some things that are going to have good connotations for what some of the things we've we've encountered in the in our in our own personal recent history. Okay? Yeah. And I think we've touched on this a little bit because it's been a prevalent topic anyway. But death, right? So anyway, um, hmm. okay. So if, uh, right at the end of what we just last read, um, tens of thousands who do not go so far as 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 death. Uh, will nevertheless have their attention diverted from themselves, uh, themselves to values and causes which they believe to be higher than the self. I know that the enemy disapproves of many of these causes, <laughs> but that is where he is so unfair. He often makes prizes of humans who have given their lives for causes he thinks bad on the monst- monstrously sophistical ground that the humans thought them good and were following the best they knew. Consider, too, what undesirable deaths occur in wartime. So he's going to go on, but I want to stop right there. Like, that's what God will do. Again, one more time, my friends, the Lord's going to bend over backwards to save you. Even if you have bad ideas, and those are the ones that you're like thinking, this is good, I'm just following this because I know it's good. Because, well, you you perceive good out of it. And it 
you know, as is the best thing you can possibly get behind, the Lord is going to make use of that and just like pluck you. Yeah, fine, good enough, not great, but we can work well, with like that. Imagine, I can take that. Imagine you know? an eighteen-year-old member of the Wehrmacht uh, in in the invasion of France. Do you want to so. give me a? Definition okay. of Wehrmacht. Wehrmacht is the German army under uh, in Nazi Germany. Sure. And okay. so in invasion, say, 39, 40. Right. Into Poland or into France, they go. Kid's 18. Right. He doesn't know. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything. God bless him. I mean, you have intelligent 18-year-olds. Don't misunderstand. But let's just talk here in generalities. You can imagine a kid who doesn't know. All he knows is his country's at war, and he's going to protect it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he's going to do right by dad and make sure that the enemies of the fatherland don't come home to roost. Right. Now, and that's all he knows at this point. Mm-hmm. And then as he's storming some, some I don't know, villa where the, the French armies hold up, uh, somebody rolls a grenade and he jumps on it and saves his platoon mates. Right. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's objectively bad that the Nazis conquer France or Poland, whichever right. situation that was. Right, but it's but it's objectively heroic that that young boy saved mm-hmm. his friends. Right, like there it is. Even if they have all kinds of wrong ideas and have been infiltrated and brainwashed, mm-hmm. you know, as far as <laughs> ideologically, sure. Like there's still there is still oddly enough virtue there, and God saved many Nazi Germans. Oh yeah. Well, as hard as that is to think, I'll tell like you. <laughs> and see, like it's you always know. incredible, like how. How the grace of God, like, even breaks through into... I, I, I don't know if I've told these stories before. Wow, there's a lot of World War II coming up here. Well, it, here we are. Uh, yeah, no, there it is. 1943, So there's a, a lady, an Austrian a lady. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's Austrian. Either that or she's Czech. And... Oh, funny, talking about Germans, ethnic Germans. But <clears throat> uh, obviously incorporated into the Nazi empire. Uh, and she was a nurse, and they didn't care for her, so they basically enslaved her. Hmm. And uh, she was moved to the Eastern Front. Her story is incredible, by the way, but we won't tell all that. Moved to the Eastern Front, and they're they're losing at this point in the war, bad, and they're falling back, and the shelling's just incessant, and they're working on men without anesthetic, and the screams are just unreal, and. At one point in this chaos, she just can't take it anymore. And nobody's, at this point, really guarding her. So she just walks off. And she walks towards the front. It's night. Mm. And she just gets somewhere into wherever the no man's land is at this point. It's not quite as clear as, say, World War One, And she just crawls into a shell hole, and she waits to die. And she says a prayer to God. She says, just send a shell to kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to wait right here till you get rid of me, because I'm done with whatever this nightmare is. Okay. Um... And then she hears a man calling from another shell hole, and he's hurt. And she says, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. Hmm. And then she said she heard the voice of God in her heart say, yes, you are. Hmm. And, and she got up, and she crawled into that shell hole. She found a Russian officer, hmm. and he was all tore up. Apparently, he'd been hit, and <laughs> in the chaos, he'd been left as the, as the line moved. And he's not going to make it. And and he says to her, she's Catholic, by the way, hmm. and this is some Soviet officer, probably godless, and he says, you know, and she, she can barely talk to him, she does, and he says, can you show me the man on the beads? She says, what? He says, the man on the beads. And he says, my grandma, she always had a man on the beads. He says, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him. And she had a rosary on her, and she pulled out her rosary, showed him to him. He says, oh, yes, that's him. And right there in that shell hole, there was a little bit of water, and she baptized him. What? And then he died. Like Holy smokes. Like, that's, that's a true story. And then she crawled out of that line. She left her rosary there with him, and she crawled out of that line and went back to her side of the line and continued on with the retreat. She, and she survived the rest of the war. Anyways, there's more to her story, too, than just that. But, like, in that moment, brother, like... Like, you see the grace of God, like, in this horrible hell. Here's this Soviet officer. Who knows what he's done? I mean, he might have been a good man, might have been a bad man, might have been just ignorant. Who knows what he was? Right. But in that moment, near the end, perhaps when the demons are beginning to gather to claim, you know, what's quote-unquote rightfully theirs, <laughs> cheated. <laughs> cheated yeah. is all they, they can say. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, 
Yeah. And that that's how that game played out that right. that night. That's on I mean, the that's, Eastern Front somewhere. Screw tape says he's so unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly what he does. And there it is. And that's salvation. <laughs> that's we're just weak, pathetic little people. And without the grace of God, mm-hmm. you know, we, who knows what we would do. Mm-hmm. But he loves us and he died for us. Jesus Christ died for you and for me. And and now, like, the power of God literally can grab you at any time if you can just open your hands just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, that's that's incredible. Yeah. It's a true story. I could, and I could tell you more, but go on. Yeah. What else? Okay. So, anyway, so we get get past that little piece of this, too. Yeah. Just, there are just little things, little ideas in every single one of these letters. Lewis is so great. Lewis I, is brilliant. He's just amazing. I take it all back. <laughs> no, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I agree with, okay, I agree with everything Lewis says. Uh, that's uh, not also not true, but go on. Possibly. Anyway. <laughs> He didn't okay. become Catholic, you know. I know. He was close. He was he'd close. Lived a little longer. <laughs> he'd have lived a little longer. I think, I think his buddy Tolkien would have gotten him in. All right. Well, uh, anyway. Everybody's Catholic in heaven. <laughs> That's true. I know. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Where, are we, where are we at here? Uh, consider, too, what undesirable deaths occur in wartime. Men are killed in places where they knew they might be killed, and to which they go if they are at all of the enemy's party prepared. How much better for us if all humans died in costly nursing homes, amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, as we have trained them, promising life to the dying, encouraging the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence, Mm. and even if our workers know their job, withholding all suggestion of a priest, lest it should betray to the sick man his true condition. And how disastrous for us is the continual remembrance of death which war enforces. One of our best weapons, contented worldliness, is rendered useless. In wartime, not even a human can believe that he is going to live forever. Yep. And there it is. All I have to say about that (laughs) is modern American psychosis. (laughs) I mean, in, in so many ways. Like, I know it's not entirely true, but in so many situations, how many times do we have, you know, this, this, terrible terrible mentality that that like we shouldn't inform someone that they're dying so they can prepare well for death mm-hmm. like i, mean, that I know, I know it's, it sounds terrible to well, say to the to the modern american but i was you know i i read this one this book one time it was um uh by nicholas nicholas diet um he wrote a, a book hmm. about the about monks at the end of their lives oh um, I can't remember the name of. Was the, he a philosopher, a historian? What was he? No, he's. I, he, I think he's just a. He's a journalist. Oh, cool. I think he's just a journalist. Um, but oh, now it's bugging me. It's over on my shelf. For that. Uh, don't don't worry about it. Anyway, so anyway, he wrote this book, and it's it's about monks and how they approach death. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the things he sort of gets at in in the book is that monks have been preparing their entire lives to for die. death. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's, that's the point. like the point. You know, to be able to be to be able to um, enter into that mystery well, you know, and to recognize like, no, every one of us has this to deal with. Don't, uh, my gosh, my friends, don't deprive your loved ones of of a good and holy death. Right. Again, like I mean, I know that that probably isn't too much of a of a worry among our listeners, but like, be encouraging to your family to. And I'm not saying despair of life, you know, like the, at the end of life with people and just say, no, they're just going to die. Just let them die well. I'm not saying that either. Like if someone is is absolutely going to die and it's just – it's in front of everybody, it's very, very clear. And it happens. Like you, you get to a point where it's just very clear this is what's going to happen next. Like don't deprive that person of of the final graces that can be provided for one thing by the church and her ministers um, – as well as you know, final final perseverance and, and penitence and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Let them let let them have those things. To deprive those things from them means you're depriving them of something that is actually going to give them real life. Oh yeah. No, you're whether you're whether you're two years old or 110. You're only at the very beginning of your life, brothers and sisters. Your real life begins. Once, once you've closed your eyes for the last time on this earth, you'll reopen them again some point later on the day of judgment. Right, and that'll be wicked cool too. Right, but yeah, and I just can't help but think, you know, I'm sorry. There, there's, mm. there's so much that happened over the course of of the past year, 
um, in regard to how people have been treated who are older. Um, um, the, the pandemic. The pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, I know I wasn't, so I mean, I wasn't a priest getting into the nursing home. I wasn't even visiting people in the hospital. I wasn't able to. But I couldn't help but watch as brother priests went and and their reaction to things. And I was just like, man, like what happened to to people like actually desiring the sacraments? You know, it seems it seems that it is getting lesser and lesser. Ah, uh, don't now they're screw tape teasing you, my friend. Possibly. He says he says, given to despair. Again, but mm-hmm. all you need, man, is one good torchlight. All you need is is one great encounter where you again like I'm in awe always of the mysteries I have been allowed to be a part of. Hmm. And again, like to sort of like Okay, you know me. I'm a bit of an extremist. The uh <laughs> I I, you, really? I love to I love to throw myself against things and see if I can break through them. Um and if I can't, I'll try and figure out a way to get around them. But one way or another, like we're going forward. And uh you know, or or they're going to kill me. Um, but like, those are our options today, Mm. people. And like, to be able to get a soul, like right there, like, I don't care what the rest of the world is doing today. Duty was done. Mm. And like, like, that's all that he expected of me. And I know that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Mm -hmm. And like, and so we pick up. And we dust ourselves off, and we don't worry about the propaganda that the enemy's feeding through our radios. I ignore it. I laugh at it. It's good entertainment. And I go off, and I beat his head in again with something else, and I get somebody else. That's what I do. And the good Lord provides. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid, man. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, let, don't let the... Yes, d- tragedies happen all the time. You're constantly at war. You said it yourself. Yeah, it's true. I think, what, I, think I meant to say this hmm. in, the, in the light of, like... My friends, we, we need to continue to be evangelizers in, in the world to a degree that people aren't like, no, keep the minister out. It's too dangerous for him to be here. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, screw it. I'll, I'll gladly die. Uh, yeah. St. Saint, Saint Aloysius, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, he, he was working in the plague wards. That's what he, he caught the disease and he died before he became a priest. Mm-hmm. But he was going into the wards. He was going to touch the sick people. He was going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you don't take proper precautions, but like at the end of the day, like we're going into this and because this is, because my life is not overly important. What's important is that people get to God. Because that's why he came to Earth to die for us. Uh, okay, so like, so what are you doing today? And <laughs> like, like, don't just, just, just embrace it, and you will be more alive than you've ever been. Anyways, right. yeah, let's wrap up this letter. Yeah, but yeah, it's. Uh, I like war. Just, yeah. I like talking about it. I'm I know, man. Well aware. Okay. He says he references an, another another demon whose name is Scabtree. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> Great names here. He's Lewis is so creative. I love it. Hmm. Um, I know that Scabtree and others have seen in and others have seen in wars a great opportunity for attacks on faith. But I think that view was exaggerated. The enemy's human partisans have all been plainly told by him that suffering is an essential part of what he calls redemption. So that a faith which is destroyed by a war or a pestilence, cannot really have been worth the trouble of destroying. (laughs) I am speaking now of diffused suffering over a long period, such as the war will produce. Of course, at the precise moment of terror, bereavement, or physical pain, you may catch your man when his reason is temporarily uh, suspended. But even then, if he applies to enemy headquarters, I have found that the post is nearly always defended. (laughs) Your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. Take Mm. it seriously. Yep. No, the even, the, even in the darkest of moments, yeah. right? No, I mean, like, as far as, like, our military capabilities of the church are concerned and the spiritual aspects, like, we've got stuff that's faster than light. Mm-hmm. We, we've got access to those kind of resources and reinforcements. Uh, you know, the name of Jesus Christ is a potent enough weapon to scatter the enemy. Um, and a child can lisp that. Um, yeah, like... Don't be afraid. The most common repeated phrase in the whole Bible. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. The your Savior went before you, and and again, 
the saints have made it. And I've told you, we've told you stories about them. <laughs> yeah, lots, the lots and lots. <laughs> They've had their moments. Mm. Thinking of, of you, Callistus. But the, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Sancti. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. But, but there it is. And, and you know, 14-year-old girls triumph over the devil in, in moments of, of terror and fear and pain. Mm-hmm. And, and you have all the resources and the teachings of the church. Uh, don't be afraid. Trust him. Mm-hmm. Pray daily. Go to confession regularly. Receive the Eucharist frequently. Uh, live your vocation in all holiness. And and he will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 then laugh at the devil. That's my other advice to you. Just laugh at him. He's an idiot. He's already lost. His big plan is to surround himself with a bunch of losers for all eternity. Like that's that's his plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> oh, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> made a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake. <laughs> you better believe it. Oh my god! Better believe it. Like, oh, you're so you were created by like the infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving being, and you're who who exi- pre-existed you and factored you into all of his plans, and your plan is to outsmart outsmart him. Good, good, good luck. How's, how's that going? How's that going for you? Good luck with that. Yeah. Let me know how that works out. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, this has uh, been... See? See this? Dante's going to write a book about you, and he's going to call it The Comedy. Yeah. No, there it is. <laughs> See, soldiers, uh, soldiers need to learn how to laugh. That's true. Like, don't don't take it over seriously. Like, in combat, even then, you had to find moments to laugh. And some stuff was just so stupid. Mm. And you're like, oh, well, here we go. Anyways. And here we go, indeed. Here we go. So. This is all the time we have today. Yeah. <laughs> and on a happy note. I mean, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Anyway. Yep. This is the Dave's Vault Podcast. Come find us on Facebook or uh, where else are we? Uh, Instagram. I Instagram, think. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. And yeah. anywhere else you get podcasts that are probably better than this one, but... What? But is there such a thing? I don't I, know. You're, you're not saying the words right. Am I not saying it yeah, right? Yeah, it's fine. Don't it's, they, they know what you're saying. They Praise know what you're trying God. to say. <laughs> yeah, good. Thank God. You've heard Dan normally says this thing. Uh, yeah, you're doing great. Keep going. No, I'm done. That's, okay, good. No. God bless you, people. Put all your head. Play yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me out, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, uh, dayusefulpodcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere you find podcasts. God bless you and all. And as always, Deus Volt. <laughs>